When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Golik and Smetty here. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to start a, a podcast with your dad? Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. I am Mike Golik Sr. And I really emphasize the senior today. She is Jess Matana. And why I emphasize the seniors? Because the junior is here, Michael Jr. or Gojo, as he's better known. Uh, <laughs> why did you put that in air quotes? <laughs> Gojo, because I have a bone to pick with him that I'll get to. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. First thing, though, I hate computers. I hate them. I <laughs> hate them. I mean, I swear to you, I'm doing things how I'm supposed to be doing, and A, I can't either get on a site, or B, I can't start recording. Why does shit not work for me? Why? Hello, all. How you doing? <laughs> it doesn't work for you the same reason that I struggle to commit the time and energy to learning editing software for TikTok. It's because... <laughs> It's because it's new and it's scary and you're old. That's what it comes down to. Like but, but for wait you, a minute. it's basic computer technology, and for me, it's the next advent of social media platform. So here's what I don't understand, though, and 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 just might one of you tell me what I'm doing wrong. So pull the curtain back. We do this, and we're supposed to record each thing separately. So they, you know, for whatever reason. So. <laughs> What? I is that true? I, I, I don't I, even think that I don't even think you're starting off with like well, an accurate representation of what's happening here. I, I'm told to I'm told to, to record mine all the time. Are you not? I don't do a separate recording. What okay, let's peel back the curtain further. What's happening is that there's a link that gets sent out every week. It's the same link, and it puts us on this video hosting platform. And to get on the video hosting platform, you click the link. And for some reason, every time Mike clicks the link, he gets a security feature that doesn't let him go onto the video site. And we've tried to work around that, but every week the same problem comes up. And so we've tried to figure out workarounds like copy and paste the link into your notes app. Maybe, you know, then you can do it and then you copy paste it in the URL bar. Um, but for some reason, every week there's some fiasco and it takes several minutes to get online. Is that, is that okay? Is that yes, accurate? That's okay. Our producer sends us a link every week. I click on said link and can't get on. Right. But I, mean, I yeah. can. That's the, that's the weird part. And, and I was sent the link today for the first time by Drew on this new platform, and I was able to get on. So, again, Right. And Ryan Nanny also two weeks ago was on. So like, it seems to be that you're the one that has the problem, Mike. 
Okay, so then let's go to the next thing. I, I tape separately to send to Drew to do what he needs to do with it. I go to QuickTime, okay? I hit QuickTime. I go to File, New Audio Recording. I hit that. The little bar shows up where I can start it. I hit it, and it just shows zeros. So I have to delete it out and do it again, and it just shows zeros when I hit Start. The fourth time when I hit Start, it starts to record. Why does it take four times for it to start to record? Somebody answer me that. So I'm just going to say all of these problems goes back to that old saying of if everywhere you go smells like shit, it might be you. <laughs> I've never heard but that before. Tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong with QuickTime. I just told I, you what I do. I don't, Mike, I don't know what you're doing wrong. We're, so this I'm is what we're going to do. anything no, wrong. This is how we're going to fix it. Gojo's yeah. coming out to, to Phoenix yeah. for the Super Bowl next weekend. He's going to sit down in your computer room, and he's going to fix both the link and your quick time. Is that, is that all right, Gojo? You're volunteering yourself to do this, right? Yeah, uh, again, I am going to go and be the IT department. This is going to be my payment for room and board for that week since I don't need a hotel room because I'm going to stay with you guys. What I'm going to tell you also, Dad, is that everything isn't something. Like, sometimes stuff just doesn't work. Sometimes gremlins in the computer go and they make a certain program not run at a certain time. And there's no real explanation why. At least not one that me, a fucking film and television major from Notre Dame, is going to be able to properly ascertain. So I just want you to accept and understand that there are going to be things that you'll never really fully understand about this magical box that records your podcast every week. That's just reality. It's just so frustrating. And listen, I admit I don't try and learn a lot because I have youngsters like you guys that help me out. But when I do something simple, simple, and it doesn't work until the fourth time, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So so you just said you have displayed no earthly interest in learning, and yet you are surprised when things go wrong but, and you don't know how to fix them. But tell me what I need like... to learn. I hit the QuickTime icon. I hit the start new audio. I hit the start button. There is nothing more to do than that. And it doesn't start until I delete, try it again, it doesn't start. I delete, try it again, it doesn't start. I delete, try it again, and it starts. I do nothing different. So that's what I don't understand. All right. I think what we need to do, old man, is send you back to school <laughs> to learn coding. I'm on the Arizona coding. State website oh, right now. Oh, yeah. It looks like there's a degree in computer sciences that would be perfect for you. Yeah, I, I look like someone that wants to go back to school and learn this shit, don't I? Do you have any <laughs> eligibility left? Maybe we can get you a scholarship, too. Oh, man, if I could go some NIL, how great that would is- that be? <laughs> Listen, again... Kenny Dillingham is a great guy. Got to know Drew him a little Pine. bit when he was at Oregon. He could Drew be on Pine's te- on there. the team with Drew Pine. Protect the exactly. blind side. Let's make you play O line. Oh god. Oh, that would well, I mean, that'd be listen, incredible. I go to O line, a D line, O line. That'd be pretty easy. I mean, right? Well, well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, yeah, we know I mean, D line's harder. It's exactly. But also, right. you have dad strength now, and everyone knows that dad strength is the most powerful force in the I, universe. I think what I have more than anything else at times, and Mike knows this because my patience is short. I have dad frustration. Um, <laughs> I really? really do. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. I have never noticed anything like that from you. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I think at this point, too, in the dad strength life cycle, I feel like once you have a grandkid, that's when you crest over the top. Like, you're closer to to needing that stairway seat that motorizes you up and down the stairs than you are to being able to forklift a truck off of your, like, dying baby. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, I I agree with that. But, man, that's that's putting me in a bad spot right there. I don't know. I saw some guy at the gym the other day use the motorized lift down to the weight floor, and I was pretty jealous. I had to walk down the stairs like a slap. I just don't think I could do that. Maybe after I get my knee replacement, I'll have to use that or something like that. Wow. Dear God. So this is what Jess and I have to look forward to in Scottsdale for Super Bowl week. So I was going to say, you guys get frustrated with me? Just you frustrated with me? I, no, I mean, it's mostly amusing because it's like, I, I've said this to you before. I, I have to deal with these issues with my parents all the time. I'll get a rogue text from my mom asking me, how do I send a text message? And I'll reply, you just did. And it's just, it's it's more frustrating when it's your own parents. But when it's you, Mike, I think it's generally amusing. Although I do feel for you because there's there's really not much I can do to help you troubleshoot from Miami. This is going to be Jess and Dad at Radio Row during Super Bowl week. <laughs> That's mean. That is, don't that age, is not Don't nice. age shame your father, Gojo. Only oh, I can do God. that. I'm his co-host. That's all he does. That's all he does. <laughs> But you're number one uh, as far as my broadcasting family, uh, Jess. You know that. Awesome. So we'll we'll yes. we'll we'll get to the uh, the football and what's going on. But uh, this is kind of about football. I thought it interesting. Now I I I call games for Westwood One usually the Sunday night games, but I called the um, the Sunday night game Dallas at San Francisco. You know, hell of a defensive game. Couple people, by the way, as an offshoot, text me and guy, what an awful game. And I said, <laughs> we, we are so just just so you know, whatever brainwashed to high-scoring offensive games. That was I agree great, with you. I thought it was a good game. game. Can, I, I well, thought it was can, fantastic. Can I say there's also a difference, right? Like the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl, objectively bad football Bad game, game. yeah. Right. This game right. between the Niners that you had, objectively good football game. There yeah. was just enough. It was hard-hitting, downhill, inside the box. This was a, like late 90s, early 2000s football game that we got. It, it, yeah. Low scoring doesn't mean bad just no. the way high scoring doesn't always mean good. Some high scoring games, you're like, all right, we get it. Like, <laughs> can someone make a tackle, please? Like, I, I enjoy the final score and the points and, and the yard totals and everything looks fun afterwards, but it doesn't always mean it's a good game. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I'm completely with you. That's why I was stunned at some of these texts that, that went on. But so then I'm looking at, at Twitter after the game and such, and I see a tweet from Mike that says, talks about Greg Olson in the booth. And, and Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt, who, who were in the booth there, Aaron Andrews on the sideline, I, I saw them, talked to them very nice, known, known them for a little while. And Greg does a fantastic job as an analyst. I, I'm, I'm happy he was given the opportunity on the number one team uh, without question. Uh, he does a great job because a lot of times those, those go to instant Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, that, that and get handed jobs. Like Tom Brady, who's going to push him out the minute. It, it's exactly right. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad Greg has been on the big stage and uh, and doing what he's doing because he does a great job. And Mike said that, you know, in his tweet. Greg Olson, great job, blah blah blah, and and he was right. And I told that told that to Greg in person. Now I'm happen to be calling the exact same game on the national radio on, on Westwood one of which you don't have to just be in your car to listen. You know, like when Mike is doing the radio games for Learfield, the Saturday night game of the week for Learfield, what I do 
is I sit in front of the TV and I get the Learfield app and I listen to Mike on the radio and I sync it up with the TV so I can watch the game on TV and sync up Mike calling the game. That's what I do. So Mike obviously says a great job by Greg Olson and I just tweeted like, hey, thanks for listening. I mean, my own father won't even listen to, uh, I mean, I mean, my own son won't even listen to his own father call a game. I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say, Mike. I was hurt. I think actually you just found the one technology that I wouldn't be, like I, putting on a radio and syncing it with my TV, that is something I have not done in over a so, decade. Mike. So Jess, does your TV, your TV have the thing where you can stop it, pause it kind of deal? No. It doesn't? I'm a, I'm a cord cutter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe you I've can't never do had it. Cable. See, yeah, so mine can. can, and you just, I would just stop the TV until the radio caught up, and then you start it again, and then it synced up. Mm. Damn. Check your privilege. Privilege. I, I have listened to you on the radio, though, which I told you. As, so. as have I. And I've even gone out in person two games and stayed in the booth to listen to you guys call the game in the booth. And you know this creature of habit, right? Come home normally during the season. I'm on Saturday. I'm on the road Saturday. I'm calling the games for Learfield. And then I get back Sunday and I'm around and I'm in my rhythm. And so then, yeah, pop on the radio in the NFL app. Check it out there because I don't have Sirius in my car because I am a cord cutter of audio. And so I just listen to shit on my phone when I'm driving around in the car. Uh, and then go do that. We're in the playoffs now. Totally out of my rhythms. I was hungover on Sunday. I was playing hurt. Not injured, but I was playing hurt. And so I was all out of my rhythm. So I just kind of turned on the TV flippantly. And I turned it on there. And I listened to Greg Olson for a bit. And you know what? I shot Greg Olson a little bit help because he's new in this. And he's just getting his career going. And I want people to see how well he's doing. Dad, you've already achieved these great heights. You've had so many great things happen for you. It's honestly kind of selfish. Yeah, two-time Hall of Famer in radio. It's a little bit selfish that you would want to take all of this shine when yeah. Greg is really just trying to find his footing in this in- industry. He's a new guy, and it's our job as people that have been around this a lot longer to make sure that he gets his place in this and can find a way before he's shoved to the second crew by Tom Brady. How dare you? You know, it's very selfish. W- one thing I believe, and, and I'm proud of you in this moment, because one thing I believe you have learned from me and you just presented it very well is complete and utter bullshit. I mean, that was a wonderful job of just bullshitting right there. I thought you were going to say, like, you know, selflessness, building people up, but classic baby boomer response. Your generation, they're just so me, me, me about everything. But, Mike, I do want to ask you a question, which is, how did you call the final play of the Cowboys game? Because that was, I think, the highlight of my entire weekend, maybe of the season. Uh, It was hilarious. You know, for that play, they actually lined up in it and then – San Francisco called a timeout. So we actually had time to talk about the first thing I said. I said, this looks like a flag football lineup, right? <laughs> With just, just the center and, and just someone snapping the ball and everybody else going out for a pass. And, and there may be people that are saying, well, if you're going to do that, why would you have offensive linemen out there? Well, you need certain numbers out there, you know, uh, so mm-hmm. they have to be out there, blah, Rules, blah, blah. Yada, yada. So they, they find this. And Ryan Racky just did a great job of explaining Two offensive linemen to the left, a wide receiver on either side. Two offensive linemen to the right, a wide receiver on either side. The old lineman going to help with the blocking while the wide receivers are pitching the ball. And I, I kept wondering, 
I, I, I was saying, A, is Zeke going to be able to snap the ball? They've obviously practiced this play, so they feel Zeke can snap the ball. But now I'm, I'm, I'm saying out there and just supposing, because I've never seen this, what do I do if I'm on defense? Do I send one guy over Zeke like they did? Do I send multiple guys and make Dak throw it right away, which he'd be able to, and then my guys are chasing? Well, of course, San Francisco just sent the one player who just smoked Zeke who became an instant meme. One, as soon as his, his ass didn't hit the ground, and I was thinking to myself, damn, that's not going to look good on Twitter because that's exactly where it's going to live. And then to have that pass, at least you get to play around. You, I don't know what you guys called it, Mike, and with your offenses when you work on a play like that that never works. But this one, Zeke gets his ass kicked, Deck gets rid of the ball, and the receiver gets smoked right when he catches it. If they don't just tear that sheet out of the playbook, never line up in it again, never even think about using it again. But for the Cowboys, it almost seems like that's the way their season should end because they find a way. They just find a way, and that was just horrific. Mike, if you go, I'd like to know on end plays like that how those are designed and talked about. That was I have never seen that designed as an end play because what that was was you hear it called the swinging gate or we used to in high school call it the lonesome polecat on field goal attempts or point after attempts where the offense would line up and you'd have the battery in the middle so the snapper kicker holder in the middle and then you'd have two different groups of players on either side and when you're down on the two yard line or whatever gives you an option if the defense is misaligned and you've got a numbers advantage somewhere guy snaps it in the middle throws it to where the numbers advantage is and you've kind of got that play worked out and if not you see them bring guys in for the field goal try they essentially tried to run that at midfield and the one thing that I don't get is now were there you mentioned there were two offensive linemen on each side was there not one side that had a third offensive no lineman? no that was the interesting thing there were only four linemen out there so that doesn't make sense because your whole point is to buy beef out on the perimeter and right. you had you heard before the play Zeke Elliott was ineligible so having a lighter body out there to snap the football made no difference there None. was no strategic advantage to having Ezekiel Elliott right there other than to have him apparently learn how hard it is to snap the ball and then get your offhand on the defender who's right <laughs> over your face. That's all I can think of is that despite the fact that Zeke Elliott has accepted his role quietly on this team as the second back to Tony Pollard well, they wanted him to go out there and learn some hard truth in front of the masses. That seemed malicious by Kellen Moore and the Cowboys staff. Do you remember the Indianapolis Colts New England Patriots trick play from it had to have been like 8 years ago now oh, where the fake punt. they they tried a fake punt on like 4th and 3 and the center and it's just got smoked right after the play and they didn't get a pass off or a runoff um that was what this reminded me of it was you're trying to catch the defense misaligned like you said but the execution is so horrible and goofy that the the theoretical opportunity of getting the ball downfield quickly is completely wiped out by the mismatch right when you snap the ball. I appreciated the 49ers just going with the, like, solve your problems with aggression formula. Hey, we probably haven't practiced this as an end game scenario, so I'm just going to smack the shit out of Zeke and see what happens. There and wouldn't you know. you know it, good things happen. That, that was one of the most uh, incredible plays of stupidity I've seen. But going, <laughs> going back, again – this game early on, the Dallas defense was playing incredibly well. Incredibly. Brock Purdy, and I, and I know you tweeted this, Mike, and I had mentioned it on air. This was the game he looked most like a rookie early on. you know. And then after that, he looked pretty good. 
See what I did oh, there? Oh, God. I remember when you made that joke in the broadcast. It was really funny. No, Mom told you I said it. You didn't hear it, so don't even <laughs> I, try. Okay? She didn't tell me shit. Don't even try. So this, this was a game that the Dallas defense was playing well, and I just wonder in the last quarter and a half if they got worn down a little bit because they lost a D lineman, so they lose some rotation, and, and San Francisco started leaning on them on the run. But, but the one thing, you know, you try and play a clean game and you worry about mistakes that we saw – uh, Dak throw a couple of interceptions. The first one, I have no idea where the hell he was throwing it. The second one, I mean, how he doesn't see uh, Jimmy Ward there who tipped it up to, to Warner for the interception, I, I have no idea. But coming to the end of the game, when they needed to get at least close for the Hail Mary, Dalton Schultz, the tight end, the two mistakes, and I mean, you want to talk about the difference of knowing the situation and not knowing the situation. So Dalton first catches that out route and gets hit knocked backwards out of bounds. And you see the ref immediately keeps keeps saying the clock is running and Dalton thinks the clock is going to stop. And immediately the, the 49er who knocked him out of bounds backwards points to the ref and is like, yes, roll the clock. He knew exactly if he knocked him backwards, the clock keeps going. It seemed that Schultz was the only one who didn't know. And then he catches another out route, which would have made it about a 60-yard pass uh, for Dak Prescott. And he lazily is on the sidelines and doesn't drag the toe of his second leg. I mean, it was we just all assumed it was a catch until we were like, oh, my God, how does he not get that second foot in? So there was some, you know, and, and, and again, the blame game goes out to Kellen Moore and this and that. And I've always said, games come down to players executing on the field. And there was a couple of chances there that it was nobody's fault but Dalton Schultz, the player, who made the mistakes there. Well, you can also point the finger at Elijah Mitchell for stepping out of bounds the drive before for the 49ers. They could have mm. run the clock out if he had yep. just fallen Agreed. in bounds. But I, I want, as a player, does anyone ever refresh you on, hey, you have to go forwards out of bounds? Or is that something you just like, it's assumed that you know the rule there? Yeah, and the NFL, and I've never been a receiving player, so I'm not sure, but to comparable points at other positions, especially before critical drives. Like, like before you go out in two minutes, as an O-line, you're reminding everyone, hey, like, when the snap's done, like, get the ball. You know, if you're, if you're near the ball, get the ball back to the official so he can spot it. Get up to the line of scrimmage, you know. You know coming off the sideline in those situations, usually, like, after a timeout or a stoppage, you go in and you've got the first two plays called. So as soon as that first play happens, you're up to the line with the next one, and there doesn't even need to be communication. You can get two off. So you communicate a bunch of the, you know, O-line, hey, we're watching games. We know what they like to do in two minutes. You're all kind of reminding each other what your positional coaching points are. So I'd imagine maybe amongst receivers, you assume that's known, but I mean, the whole point is you don't assume anything. You guys over-communicate shit all the time, and it's like, hey, get for I, I don't know for them, but I know for our position group and other position groups, you're kind of hitting the checklist before a lot of those situations. And that's a great question, Jess, because Mike's right. You know, for a D-line, it would it would be a different set of, uh, of checklists than the secondary same for receivers and O-line. You wonder, though, is it more than make sure you get out of bounds? I mean, because there's probably some natural assumption that you're supposed to know that you can't get knocked backward out of bounds. But to Mike's point, usually it's an over-communication of, hey, get out of bounds, but remember you have to be going either either lateral or forward. 
uh, to get out of bounds. I don't think you have to be reminded to get two fucking feet in bounds. I mean, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, I also think that, like, why would you ever go backwards out of bounds in the first place? Well, well sometimes you, he got knocked backwards, and that's, that's on the receiver. Yes, He's got to find fair. a way to get Put forward. Put your shoulder and, down and go forward. Yes, and yeah. the, that's a big-time check for the defender yeah. being able to knock him backwards and, and yeah, keep it going. Absolutely. So, so I, I thought that was pretty impressive. So for you guys, you know, all the talk has been where does Dak belong in the quarterback hierarchy now of the NFL? So he gets hurt. I did the game, the first game of the season when he got hurt, misses five games, comes back, throws the most touchdowns in the NFL, but has the most interceptions in the NFL. So, Mike, I'll start with you. Where where is Dak Prescott in the in the pantheon of quarterbacks in the league right now? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, I, I mean, depending on if you go like Mahomes as his own little group up top, or if you just say like Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, like a bunch of like the freak quarterbacks in tier one, Dak's a tier two guy. Like on his best day, he's a top 10 quarterback. And we like... The thing with Dak is, and the reason that a lot of this conversation feels weird to me, is he's not a quarterback on his rookie contract. He's not a new guy. We've got a big, large sample size of Dak Prescott being really good for this team at times, and then in moments like this year, undermining them with bad turnovers in a bunch of critical spots like this game. So I think he's firmly a Tier 2 guy. Like The conversation has come up, and I think it's pretty easy. You can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as your quarterback. We've seen way shittier quarterbacks than this guy hoist the Lombardi trophy. It's just you need to have all those other details like you talked about and a full roster around him in a year where we're seeing, in the NFC especially, the two best rosters, the overall rosters, are the ones that are representing the conference in the championship game. Like, it's not asking something different of them than we're asking of damn near everyone else right now unsurprisingly I agree he also was missing one of his best weapons on offense that I think would have made the game plan a lot easier for him but I think tier two but like still firmly top 10 is a good place for him I don't know I mean he did make mistakes the Cowboys social media account was negging him for it wow which was painful to see (laughs) but he's a good quarterback we talked to David Hel- Dave Hel- David Hellman about that, who used to work for Cowboys.com, works for Speak on FS1 now, and he said the Cowboys media arm is different, the in-house media team, than most places. It's, it's a little more separate from the team, and so you've got a little bit more latitude there to actually get to write critical pieces and to actually get to do the things like that. And he told us the story about how at one point they got accused, or people, uh, fans of theirs, were accusing them of tampering when they wrote that the Cowboys needed to go out and sign Adrian Peterson years ago so people like to freak out and act like they're controlled by the state there but really they actually have a little bit more freedom than most which is interesting that is interesting so they head off into the offseason uh 49ers and 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 we have we have time to talk about that uh but uh for the Cowboys they're done you know where are they going to go next year maybe get another a better number two wide receiver I love how people are saying, oh, yeah, they had to make a number two and number one receiver. That had to be done. CeeDee Lamb had over 100 receptions and about 1,400 yards. 
he 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 played into the number one receivership just fine. So you know, I drafted I, I don't, him to be. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now Amari Cooper was that guy, and they traded him away. They could have had both those guys, but they didn't want to deal with the money situation that Jerry Jones has gotten him into. So it, they're into the offseason. I definitely want to cover the other games in in the time we have. Not much to talk about in the Philly Giants game, other than for the Giants, you still put thumbs up for their season, right? Um, Definitely, It it was an excellent season for them. And Daniel Jones is going to make between 30 and $35 million. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. No, I mean, either on the franchise tag or on like what I'd imagine is a shorter deal. Like most of the stuff I've seen is in that range price-wise and probably around a three-year deal, which if you're the team gives you time to make sure like, hey, all right, what we've seen in one year with coach and this uh, quarterback can be replicable over time as we add weapons for him. And then for Daniel Jones on the other side, it's like, hey, if this keeps up in the offense that I'm working in right now, which we've seen removing Dable from Buffalo and adding Dable to this situation. There's a massive value in what he brings. Then I'm young. I'm up for a new deal sooner and I can get paid my kind of truckload amount of money then because for the rest of his time in New York, he was inconsistent enough to where they didn't want to pick up the option. What do you think, Jess? I agree. I, this is an interesting because we listen to the same shows. I listen to your show, Gojo, and I think I see eye to eye to you on everything. Should I disagree to be an asshole? No. How, no, do, you, how do you pay a guy who loses? You have yeah. to make changes if well, you're the Giants. I'll sound like I'm doing like WFAN yeah. radio. Yeah, d- don't Je- do Jess, that. What yeah. do, Jess, what do, you do with, what do you do with Saquon, though? Because I did hear Joe Shane, their GM, come out and kind of sound like he was a little less determined to get Saquon back into that building. Well, do you think he would sign a franchise tag? I don't know if you're a running back if you have much of a choice. Yeah. Yeah, the running well, back position is a tough position now. Le'Veon I mean, Bell tried yeah. to do it, and it didn't yeah. Yeah, that, really that, work out that well. That didn't set a precedent well for running backs at all. But uh, yeah. listen. Although he did whoops. Who, whose ass did he whoop boxing the other day? Like, if nothing oh. else. <laughs> I mean, Wait, was, if nothing was, else, Saquon could probably follow in that category if shit didn't work out football-wise. That man is a tank. I forgot who he, he beat. It wasn't Adrian Peterson, was it? I, I can't remember. I have no idea. This I is not rem- something that I follow. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was something. But listen, arrows up on them. Uh, no need to talk much about that one. Philly just rolled them. I think, to me, I think the two, I think the NFC wins the Super Bowl, whether it's Philly or San Francisco. I think they're the most complete really? teams in what? the NFL. Yeah, we'll get to picks in a minute. I want to, I want to touch on the AFC side. Uh, we'll keep Mahomes for last because of the injury. Jess, let me ask you. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Got to believe that the top two quarterbacks in the league now. Is Josh Allen in that category or is he below that? I mean, you can't base it all off of the last game, No, right? you can't. You're because right. Because he nope. had a great season overall, although I think there were games where he made mistakes. And I think there were games where just the Bills' offense didn't look – really flashy at all like I don't know how to explain the Bengals Bills game this weekend other than the Bills just had no juice like they had no run game they had no flashes on offense and I don't think it's all Josh Allen's fault because I think he's made those mistakes that people associate with him from especially his rookie year um, when he got into the league but I still think he's up there with Burrow and Mahomes, I still think he's a really good quarter. He, like Mike said, I think he's still a tier A quarterback or tier one, whichever you want to label it. Um, but I think they definitely need to evaluate 
what went wrong in that game where it's your you know biggest game of the season up to that point and you can't produce anything on offense you're supposed to have this incredible uh you know high powered high scoring offense in that game and and even in the dolphins game um there was just not a lot going on there so how do you fix that so so mike let me ask you though when do you start separating they do this in baseball all the time with postseason if you're successful in postseason you you get ratcheted up a notch of what your value is so joe burrow basically the last four times he's played buffalo and kansas city he's four and oh you know in the in the playoffs so he's getting it done in the playoffs josh allen is not getting it done at this point in the playoffs and I, again i don't want to say team wise but i'm talking quarterback wise so when does that start hurting him enough to drop him down a notch from Mahomes and Burrow? Well, I think it already has in some people's immediate reaction to this. At the same time, we go back to last year in the postseason. That Chiefs-Bills game is one of the best games we've seen in the last five years, and Josh was a god in that game. Josh was so good in that game, and we got such a lightning rod thing that Tony Romo has been able to coast off that big game Gabe Davis shit for God knows how long (laughs) since then and convince us that he's the answer at number two for that team. So it's already affecting, and we're watching the thing happen now with Burrow where people are trying to jump him over Mahomes because of what's going on now. And while I don't agree with that, just because Mahomes has so many more physical gifts than Joe does, like Joe has overcome all those. He's got the moxie. He's a really good quarterback at understanding what's around him and how he's got to adjust his game, being down three starters in the O-line this last week and last season, both good examples of it. But it is interesting for Joe because he's in this first rookie contract and a lot like Mahomes, you're going to see the potential for him to go Super Bowl appearance and Super Bowl win in back-to-back years while still on that rookie contract. Like, if he manages to pull that off and they were to win the Super Bowl this year, his early trajectory and Mahomes' early trajectory, despite, I think, the difference in physical ability, would be identical in when it comes to what they've done in the postseason. And to your point, early on, that's how we build mythology. It's why now I even struggle in my peanut brain to pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in this matchup where the Bengals are better at most meaningful things because Patrick Mahomes for so long was so money in every spot they needed when we're all watching the same one or two games on a postseason weekend. Yeah, and I think I think just like how you can't necessarily judge Josh Allen on this postseason, like Joe Burrow's super wildcard weekend performance against the Ravens, and granted, they have a, a really good defense. It wasn't yeah. his best postseason game either. So I think like the single game evaluation thing that we tend to do when we react to these games is um, not always the best indication of someone's talent level and you have to look over the course of the season over the course of the season the Bengals have gotten better week to week because their lines played better Joe Burrow has adjusted like Gojo just said um with all the various injuries they've had to deal with and I uh, I think I still place him in that top tier because I still think he's an elite really good quarterback but um you can't you can't knock Josh Allen just like you can't knock Joe Burrow from his variance week to week in this postseason. Yeah, I, I call that Baltimore game. Baltimore had four sacks in that game, and they were pressuring the hell out of him. It's very true. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of this analysis, we sort of make opponent agnostic where we forget on the other side. Like, the Bills since Von Miller went down had been a bottom-tier mm-hmm. quarterback right. pressure team in the NFL. And so even I overlooked that. I'm like, man, 
being down three starters on the O-line has to matter. It's like, it's a snow game and this team's already not good at pressuring people. So that's advantage offense and the way that they right. want to go about that. It's what makes the Kansas City matchup really interesting because Chris Jones, Frank Clark, sometimes on the other side and just overall spag style of saying, I'm going to send bodies and try and flush the pipes on this. We've seen it bite them in the ass against Joe Burrow and these receivers, but it's a different challenge for the backups on the O-line than what they got out of Buffalo, who's just, you know, going to put guys up sometimes, but more often than not, just rush four. So then look at the Kansas City side of this. How much do we think just the Mahomes injury, a high ankle sprain, and he came back and played in the second half. And that for those, there are degrees of sprains. A sprain is basically a bit of a tear, just a matter of how much. It's grade one, grade two, grade three. This obviously is not a, a hugely severe high ankle sprain because anybody that knows going through time here, high ankle sprains are worse than low ankle sprains, and a severe high ankle sprain is going to leave you out for three to five to six weeks, depending on how bad it is. So him coming back in the second half tells me it certainly wasn't that, but he did come back, and there's no way he's 100% for the Cincinnati game. So Jess, how much, how much effect do you think has overall in the game for this? Well, Chad Henney won the game this weekend, right? Do they even need Patrick Mahomes when you oh, have boy. Chad, Chad Henney playing lights out? Henney's possible. Touchdown drive? I don't know, Mike. I really hope he plays. That was, like, about as sad as a thing that could have happened to any of the starters in that game, watching his ankle turn sideways like that. As Patrick Mahomes, like, you want to see him be able to start – the game against uh, the the Bengals this weekend because the narrative just uh, it's not as fun when it's like Chad Henney versus Joe Burrow. You want to see that rematch. The Bengals have won those last three matchups, like you said. I I really hope he's at least good enough to to play. He's not going to be the same. He's not going to be as mobile certainly, which was what was keeping them you know pretty effective versus the Jaguars defense on on Saturday. But I. Don't, I don't I really hope he can play and he's still you know got the arm strength to, to do it I think he's gonna play I mean I think he's gonna give it every every effort I know going back in the second half certainly hurt the ankle a little more and everybody could barely say, put weight on it yeah, in the first yeah. Half. and everybody's saying did, did he get a pain injection at halftime and I, I don't think he did I think what he got was probably what we used to get all the time was called toradol uh, either that or a, a cortisonal type of a steroid. Uh, that reduces swelling to try and keep the swelling out of the area, um, and, and so I don't I don't know you know that's going to be the whole the whole week is just going to be keeping swelling out of that. Eventually he's got to walk and run on it. Uh, I mean, fr- so from an O line standpoint, Mike, I don't know how much this affects the O line used to a guy running around if he can't run around as much. Well, yeah, I mean it, it changes what you can do up front right there were things that you could get away for saying all right well if I just kind of guide my guy this way Pat's going to be able to move up and out how many times have we seen him leak out to the right side and make some crazy play like at a certain point I know the Packers used to do this they used to coach guys to kind of actually let guys come up field and normally you're taught never let a guy to your inside as an offensive lineman fastest path to the quarterback those guys would let him get up and under to the right side so that Aaron could roll out to the outside because he was comfortable there because it bought him extra time. He's got free vision in front of him, all that stuff. So 
I think it does change some of that. I think, honestly, a lot of it's going to look like when Chad Henney went in the game. Like, Chad Henney's not going to burn anyone up. So we saw an uptick in motion. We saw the ball getting out of his hands faster. We saw, you know, we won't see as much of the sprint out stuff, I'd imagine, because Mahomes doing hopscotch when he was trying to hand the ball off from under center was sad and a little bit funny to watch just because it's in an NFL football game. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be different, and it sucks because it's a huge advantage because Lou Anarumo on the other side for the Bengals doesn't need a sitting duck back there. That dude's money. Yeah, he is. He is incredible. I mean, Big why Lou. he's not getting not getting more head coaching interviews is uh, I think has a lot of people scratching their head. All right, in the bit of time we have left, let's do some picks. I'll start, then Jess, and then Mike. You go last. So let's start in the AFC. Cincinnati goes to Kansas City. Overall, I like Cincinnati in this game. Um, I, I think the magic of Mahomes is his ability to escape and do funky things, and I think that's going to be very difficult for him to do. Now, Cincinnati is not a sack-happy team. In the regular season, I think they had 33, which I think ranked 17th or 18th. It was just starting the lower half. Uh, but Hendrickson is, can put good pressure on the quarterback at times, but that's the one thing that could hurt them unless they blitz to get pressure is how much pressure they're going to get on Mahomes. What they're doing, what Cincinnati's doing on offense with really three backups with Cap out and, and Jonah Williams out and, and uh, Lel Collins out. We'll see where they all are this week. I know Collins is certainly going to be gone, but uh, the three backups, they went with a quicker passing game, get the ball out, get it to the studs, let them do their thing with it. I just think Cincinnati's doing what they did last year, hitting it right at the right time. Now, I know they won you know, the last eight of the regular season, so they were hitting it right you know, earlier. Uh, but I like the way they're playing right now and with Patrick a little immobile. Uh, I'm going to go just with Cincinnati in this one. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs defense steps up to the plate, fills the void left by Patrick Mahomes. And this, the Chiefs offense still has Travis Kelsey, one of the best players this season or, or really ever at tight end. So I think the Chiefs do it. Andy Reid has some tricks up his sleeve. They're not going to lose to the Bengals again. I'm excited to use your guys' podcast to hedge because I don't have to make picks on mine till Friday, so I reserve the right to change them as nice. I make them now. Uh, that being said, my gut reaction coming off the weekend was Bengals. I just think they have more answers right now than the Chiefs do, um, especially if you know, Lou Anarumo, smart coordinator, going to take away the middle of the field. The Chiefs' offense in this Mahomes-Kelsey era, if you have disrupted Kelsey at the line of scrimmage, tends to make a lot of the process more complicated. I won't put it past Andy Reid to have better answers, but I, I think with the receivers the Bengals have and the job that Joe Burrow's done orchestrating that on offense, I, I think they're ready for this one. Bengals fans have reminded me over and over again, we did when Mahomes was healthy, we were still able to beat him, so I'll give them the advantage now too. All right, uh, so then the NFC game has San Francisco uh, going to uh, Philadelphia, and – I, I think in this one, I am, I am going to lean toward Philadelphia in this one. Uh, even though San Francisco has statistically the best defense by, by points given up in total, Bosa had 18 and a half sacks, leads the team, but the next closest is five in sacks. So they're not really spreading it out. They got no sacks against Dallas. Kudos to the Dallas offensive line. And for Philadelphia, 70 sacks in the regular season, four players over 10 sacks. They are just doing a phenomenal job of getting pressure on the quarterback in from the front, the front four and the front seven. And offensively, I, I think they, you know, have the weapons in Smith and Goddard and obviously Jalen Hurts running the ball and what A.J. Brown has meant to that team. I think these are the two most complete teams in the NFL. I think this game, and we keep waiting for it, 
when does Brock Purdy look like a rookie and make rookie mistakes? Now, at times he's looked like a rookie, but it hasn't made a lot of rookie mistakes. But if it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen in this game because his Philly defense is very, very strong. So I'm going to go Philly wins this one and Cincinnati Philly in the Super Bowl. I'm going to pick just the opposite of you for content's sake and go, it's hard to pick against the Eagles, but I'm going to go with the 49ers uh, again with, with I think a outstanding defensive performance and one of the best tight ends in football. They were able to beat the Cowboys without too much from Debo Samuel. I think we'll have a big game. Um, I'm going to go 49ers chiefs rematch in the Super Bowl. Mm, Damn. Oh man, this could, by the way, I'll probably be completely wrong by the way, because I'm, I usually like the opposite of what I pick happens, but. (laughs) <laughs> the Ford, the Stugats is strong in you. Um, there you go. He went 0-6 this weekend, by the way. Incredible. stunner. Ugh. Fade, fading la- Stugats. Last weekend, I should say. Yeah. I, he started Fade off Stugatz. the postseason like 0-8. It was an incredible yeah. tour de force of the Stugatsian nature of picks. Um, he is my mentor, so. That is <laughs> true. We're both proud broadcasting alums. Um, I do love the idea, by the way, of the 49ers making it back to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, losing in similar agonizing fashion, (laughs) and then that being the Joker origin story for Kyle Shanahan and company to go out and sign Tom Brady this offseason. Oh, my God. And then a pandemic starts two months later again. Yeah, how about it? Uh, uh, I mean, the doomsday clock is at, like, 90 seconds to midnight or whatever, so we're all going to die soon anyway. Um, Life is short. Eat at Arby's. Um, yeah, we'll know it's coming when Golik figures out how to turn on his video. Shut up, Jess. On the first try. But go, go on, uh, Gojo. I, think, I feel like you're going to pick the Eagles, too. Uh, I am going to pick the Eagles. The best strength-on-strength matchup this weekend is the front seven for the 49ers against the Eagles' O-line. Dad pointed it out. Cowboys did a good job shutting them down last week, by and large, through that game. And the Eagles have the best offensive line in the NFL. Lane Johnson looking healthy last week was, to me, as important as Jalen Hurts looking healthy. The middle-of-the-field matchup's going to be awesome. Fred Warner and company there against where A.J. Brown has had a ton of success helping out this Philly offense. But I think the Eagles get it done. I think it's uh, I think it's Birds, and I think it's Bengals in the Super Bowl. And I think Philly's probably going to win this which is going to make all that Cowboys talk even harder yeah I'm I'm going (laughs) NFC either way if San Francisco wins and I'm picking them in the Super Bowl as well Mike you're right you get to change your pick since you do a pod uh every day and uh and Jess and I have to live on our live on our pick so uh next week we'll break down this game break down the the championship games and also I want to look forward to I hope we find out more info of what's going to happen at the Pro Bowl it's just like the Pro Bowl games now, right? We know it's a flag football game, but what other stuff they're going to do there uh, instead of having to hit each other anymore? I think that's going to be somewhat interesting. So we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. Pro Bowl laser tag would be sick. That would Ooh, be I cool. love that idea. That would, maybe we'll think of some, some games for them to do. Real quick um, to end this. So there's one bedroom open and then a couch <laughs> in the casita. So mm-hmm. out of you two, who's going to get the bedroom and who's getting the couch? Mm, we'll do we'll do rock paper scissors ready all right, all right. you wait you want shoot right yeah we'll do shoot all right rock, rock paper scissors, scissors shoot shoot uh, we both pick scissors all right yeah, one all right. more time here we go rock rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot, shoot. oh Damn it. Mike, yeah. wins. mike wins there Let's he goes go. all right mike it's uh mike but i get to drive your car All right. See you guys. (laughs) All right. right, We'll see y'all next week.